So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, cats, dogs, birds, airplanes, helicopters, chicks with dicks, men with clits. I'm going to save you all a lot of time and pain, frankly, and just say this is episode 21, season two of the world famous chart topping. So I married an alcoholic <laughs> podcast. I'm Chris. I'm an alcoholic. And I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. And I've saved you all a lot of pain because we have once again gracing our presence in the studio, Nick Lehrman from Team Foster. Say hello, Nick. <laughs> hello, Nick. Excellent. Say hello to everyone else, Nick. <laughs> hello, everybody else. It's good to be here. It's, uh, it's nice to see you guys, seriously. Now, it's it's actually a pleasure. I don't know if you know this or if you remember this, but you were the very first guest that we had when we started the podcast quite literally almost a year ago. I know. We're coming up on the one-year mark. It's That's a long so time. It's so crazy. I know. It's It's gone by. It's um. Well, you do a podcast now, right? Yeah, I was actually just going to say, I mean, now that like, I mean, ours is much newer. It's only a couple, you know, two, three months old. It, it's a lot of work and it takes, a, it, it takes a lot of dedication and persistence to keep pumping out episodes it does and sometimes this is going to sound like such a dickheaded thing to say so everybody sit down and prepare <laughs> yourselves sometimes it is a massive pain in the ass but always worth it you know it, listen it's a cool experience i listen i love i really enjoyed being on the show last time i enjoyed doing our show and I'm, I'm excited to be here today and i'm excited to create more work for you chris oh i can't wait all right first we need to ask you a personal favor if you don't mind the last time you we had you on, uh, Megan has a dear friend, Rachel, that thinks you have the most incredible and most sexy voice that she has ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Next to, you know, naturally, mine. You, you're kidding, right? No, I, I shit you not. So <laughs> if you wouldn't mind, just say, hello, Rachel, and then like throw your dick on the table or something like that. <laughs> Where's the video camera? Make sure we capture No this. cameras yet. I'm sure they're coming, though. Is it a bad thing? if I, I'm not sure I'd reach the table. Is that a problem? <laughs> Look oh, you're, you're killing the magic, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm, kill I'm killing the vibe. Um, <laughs> well, Rachel, it's it's uh, nice. I was gonna say it's nice to see you, but that's not true. It's nice. Uh, hi, I love it. <laughs> Damn. Nick. So, fun story about my voice is uh, Erica for the longest time would actually tell me that she thought my voice was delicate and feminine. Erica's my partner, uh, but she would tell me my yeah my voice was delicate and feminine. Interesting. Delicate. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I I was a little taken aback by that, but you know, hey, like. I mean, is I would take that as a compliment, but at the same time, I'm thinking like delicate and feminine. I I actually am a little envious because I I feel like nobody has ever described me as delicate or feminine. Uh, they describe you like that every day. Uh, maybe you're not listening. Well, no, I mean, I don't. Maybe think not your voice. Sensitive. Yeah. 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 Pretty. Or bitch. Ladylike. I don't know. All right, fair enough. <laughs> but not ladylike in like the 22, 2022 version, like right. ladylike the, mm -hmm. in the derogatory sense. Yeah, no, I'm definitely like, you know, Civil War era, like hooker, <laughs> Wild West, <laughs> chlamydia. Like Ooh, that or like sort one of, of those lady flapper like. dresses and the long cigarettes. I would definitely have a flapper. Who are we talking to this weekend that was talking about how when they're old and retired, they're going to smoke the long cigarettes? They already bought a silver cigarette case. <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> uh, Life goals. Yeah. yeah. And bask in the baby oil and do all the things you're not supposed to. Eat carbohydrates at every meal. Oh, I can't wait. I know. Me too. I love it. So as you are all well aware, the show is sponsored by Marlene Graphics. MarleneGraphics.com for all of your printing need. And Realtor and a Baby, Realtorandababy.com for all of your real estate needs. Now, the reason that we have Nick Learman here with us is because Team Foster has a very, very special event coming up June 4th and 5th, Lincoln yes, Financial Field in Philadelphia. So we want to have him on to talk about the event and uh, I guess just a number of things like us alcoholics do. This could go in any number of directions. I'm a little scared and a little nervous. And excited. And excited. So first, let's start off with why you originally put the uniform on. What drew you to that? You want to go all the way back? Yeah. All right. So fast, or no, I was going to say fast forward. Actually, we should rewind, I suppose. Um, you know, it's the mid-90s. I'm graduating from high school. Um, I was the in the product of two parents who did not have a, a high school degrees, uh, had not gotten farther than that. And I rolled out of high school, had skated through. I was a smart mouth, and that was about it. Um, I'm the oldest of four. My parents were very, very tied trying to make ends meet and taking care of the three, uh, my three younger siblings. So I uh, shipped off and went to the University of Pittsburgh with zero plan on how to pay oh. for it. Yeah. So I showed up. I was like, hey, this dorm looks really cool. And let me take some classes. And before I went, this is this is the long version of this story, obviously, because that's the best way I know how to do things. Um <laughs> I looked in, the, uh, both my parents were in the Air Force, so I looked at Air Force ROTC, and I looked at Navy ROTC. Um, mm-hmm. Both of them were like, no, you have to major in something mathematic or technical. And I was like, nah. Doubt it, bro. That, yeah. Like, I'm not a dummy, um, but that's not, no, that's not my thing. Thanks, but no thanks. Mm-hmm. So fast forward now, it's my first semester of college. Um, in one of my classes, uh, this pretty young lady walks in, uh, into the class wearing an army PT uniform. Ooh. Naturally, um, Nick being Nick, especially at that stage of my life, I took it as an opportunity to go strike up a conversation, setting much of that aside and all the other, other things that may have taken place. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the t- key takeaways were that she told me that if, if you join army ROTC, you could major in whatever you want and you didn't even have to go on active duty if you didn't want. So I was like, I did the, the mental math and that sounded like a free college education. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, yeah, sign me up. Are you going to be impressed? <laughs> <laughs> what happens next? So yeah, so uh, fast forward, I ended up falling in love with the army uh, and I met Eric Foster, who we'll talk about. He's the, the inspiration for Team Foster. And my life really took a, a hard left for the best. Um, I showed up to college, not more. I weighed like 150 pounds. I was nothing more than a smart mouth. And I walked out of college. Uh, I kn- oh, by the way, I'd never run more than a mile. Ooh. I never actually had to work at anything. I worked, like, I'd worked a lot of jobs, but I never like had to push myself. I never practiced. I, I sort of buckled and, or walked away at the first showing of adversity. Anyway, so by the end of college, I walked out. I weighed 200 pounds. I was under 10% body fat. I was stronger and faster than I ever had been and ever would be again in my life. Uh, but more importantly, I'd learned what it meant to actually work hard. Mm-hmm. And put that put the time in and the value of putting in those reps and yeah at the gym sure but also like you know at in school and studying and like learning all of the things that come out that are required in the military like they didn't come naturally to me but i realized if i practiced and i worked at it i, I was could learn how to do things and do them well and then most importantly and this is one of the biggest things i took away from my relationship with eric was the value of giving back and taking care of our teammates. So whether it was at PT in the morning, whether it was uh, during the duty day or in class, or out at the bar, 
um, or volunteering on the weekends, Eric was always the first person to step up and take care of our teammates. And I mean teammates sometimes in uniform, but sometimes, you know, our teammates in the community, like the people that, you know, we love and that we want to care for and care about. By the time it was all said and done, uh, it wasn't about the free education anymore, though that was certainly great. And I didn't want to go in the reserves. I wanted to go on active duty. So in mm-hmm. May of 2000, so just uh, like a little over a year before 9-11. Oh, um, Jesus. I went on active duty, shipped off to Germany. Yeah. And so that, that's how it started. And then obviously 9-11 happened while I was, I was a young platoon leader. And then, you know, got my first deployment under my belt in 03. You know, so I, I had a really, really interesting, good experience in the military. That's amazing. Uh, where were you in Germany? Uh, I was stationed primarily in a little place called Hanau, which is about 30 minutes east of Frankfurt. My uh, my brother was stationed in Kaiserslautern, K-Town. K-Town, yep. I spent a week over there, got in a lot of trouble. I'm pretty sure I got him in a lot of trouble. <laughs> he was uh, an MP and then graduated to a CID officer. I, I think I definitely derailed his career for <laughs> probably more than just a, a week vacation as a, as a platoon leader in germany i spent a lot of time dealing with the mps um, I, I would imagine yeah, so we, maybe we cross paths you may have at some point random question so megan and i just got back from an extended road trip our last night was spent in pittsburgh oh good for you yeah. this is probably not the question you thought you were going to get no but it's not what is the connection with pittsburgh and french fries why are french fries on everything oh god i, I don't know um uh, they have a huge eastern european influence hmm. um i don't know if that has anything any connection to french fries uh, it sounds like did you try permani brothers while we you were did there? Okay. we did it was actually the only meal that we got while we <laughs> were in pittsburgh he... yeah so that's obviously like sort of a signature sandwich out of the pittsburgh area delicious um, but yeah I, I i wish i could tell you the cultural roots of uh, fried food in Pittsburgh, but I don't, I, I can't, I can't help you on that. Yeah, because we noticed like there was like a menu for a restaurant near us that did like delivery or something, and like the salad had French fries on it, and the pizza. I mean, it seems counterproductive, but genius at the same time. So <laughs> I, we didn't know if there was like a a meaning behind this. Did they develop the French fry? I don't think so. I think they just made steel. Well, yeah, you know? I don't think Pittsburgh developed the no. French fry. No, I think I would. I mean, if I were to, this is a this is pure speculation, but I would I would actually think it's probably the influence of Pirani Brothers, and that sandwich is popular, and so people are trying to emulate and- it because I. I I don't actually really, other than Permanis, I don't remember French fries being on everything when I was a student there. Hmm. And you know what? I, I actually read the history of the, on the menu at Permani Brothers, and that's basically what it had to do with. He used to, like, feed the guys on the docks and stuff, and, like, what's the cheapest thing to buy? Like, a sack of potatoes. Ah. So that's how he would do the sandwiches, like bread and like sliced up fried potatoes. Like, they weren't traditional French fries when it started. Hmm. And um, coleslaw. Like it wasn't even meat in the beginning. That's a terrible sandwich. Yeah, I know. Uh, fries and coleslaw. That's <laughs> a vile. Well, listen, and hopefully none of my Pittsburgh friends are listening, but I've never seen the appeal in Permani Brothers. Yeah, I, okay, because it's really on like it. American bread. I just can't get on board with that. I like I a mean, crusty roll. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? It wouldn't be my top choice, if you will. But again, like we got there. First of all, Megan's brother told us you have to go to Permani Brothers. And then we checked into the hotel, and the woman at the front desk was like, you have to try this sandwich. And we were like, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's like coming to Philly. You got to get a cheesesteak. Yeah. Like, it's exactly. it's touristy, and it's trite, but you got to do it. You got to check that box. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It was it was a great city, though. And you also, correct me if I'm wrong, but Team Foster also does a rough ride in 
Pittsburgh. Is we that do. Correct? Yeah, we took a we took it there for the first time last year in oh, twenty one, no and then twenty two. It'll be year number two. That's yeah, awesome. in, in September. Awesome. And it, where do you do it at there? Oh, we have an amazing location. Uh, it's right across the street from the, from the Cathedral of Learning, which I don't know if you guys spend any time at Pitt's campus. So we're basically, no. we're, it's not owned by Pitt, but it's on Pitt's campus. There's a gigantic park. It's called Shenley Plaza. It's a really large open air tent that we put all the bikes under. Huge grass area for the teams oh. to set up. A bunch of food kiosks. We brought in a band last year. All the students are walking what? around. Yeah, it's the energy absolute. must have been insane. It was, we did it homecoming weekend last oh. year. It was crazy. Yeah. Oh so, my god. Uh, we're really excited to bring it back. It's you know we're really hoping to get the student population like super heavily engaged. And while we're on that subject, is the Team Foster Rough Ride in Philly that same sort of atmosphere that same setup like I, I almost envision so we are Megan and I are doing it along with the so I married an alcoholic team I am super excited I am also super nervous because I have no idea what to expect frankly other than I'm going to get my ass kicked by a piece of machinery so it, and it's funny I had this conversation with one of our sponsors today because it's sometimes I think talking about the event the first thing that people like sort of grab onto is spinning in 24 hours and the, their response is fuck no Re- Roger no, that I want no parts of that I think rhabdo so. <laughs> like, so I'm gonna have to give the IV fluids I feel <laughs> but go on so the first thing I want to put out there and then and we'll talk about uh, how appealing it is is nobody has to, has to stay the 24 hours lots of people do if you have the opportunity to do it, I recommend it. I think it's a great time. It's a, an amazing experience. But you can show up and you can ride for five minutes. You can ride for five hours. You can ride for anywhere in between. You can be an athlete and be super avid spinner. Or you can be Chris and not want to ever get on a bike, but you're going to ride it anyway for a few minutes. It's all okay. Awesome. It's, it's great. And, it, and that's the beauty of it being a team event is you're not just sitting there slugging it out for an hour straight on your own you can rotate out with your team have company and then here's the good part right so the event itself as chris already mentioned is at lincoln financial field home of philadelphia's professional football team which we all know and love certainly and the event the bikes will be set up in the main plaza it's called headhouse plaza it's that front entrance plaza of lincoln financial field where the big jumbotron is and they've got the big permanent tent over on the the, uh, the west side of the plaza i like to describe rough ride as being part festival and part spin so yes there is definitely a spin component we're gonna have 25 to 30 teams all slugging it out com- competing live stats for every single one of the bikes so you can see how hard you're pushing how hard the other teams are going we're also going to have programming for the all everything on the bike right you're not just sitting there riding in silence there will be a dj for the entire thing there are spin classes throughout every three hours or so there's pr- games and challenges every single hour so everything from there's a golf challenge for that you might appreciate Chris, i'm listening to anything from that to karaoke to quizzo to uh, you think of it, we're doing it. Like it is, there's a putty bouncing challenge. It's all no holds barred, no rules. Like we are getting after it. It's all about having fun. It's not just about grinding it out on the bike. Mm-hmm. So that's, but that's just what's going on on the bike. Outside of that, there's like a whole city of things going on. So Saturday afternoon, there's a puppy kissing booth. So some of our service dogs in training are going to come in out and t- you can get a chance to take some pictures, get some cuddles. Uh, awesome. Swoop, who is from the Philadelphia Eagles, I think we can acknowledge that. And the, <laughs> the cheerleaders are coming by Saturday afternoon. There's a live band coming in to play a set Saturday night. Oh, that's For the awesome. kids, we're going to have a bunch of carnival games uh, set up all Saturday and Sunday. So 
super family friendly to come down, play some games. All the teams that are showing up are welcome to bring their own tent. So bring a bring your tent, bring a chair, bring a cot, bring food, drinks, whatever. If you don't bring anything, we'll also have concessions all day. So food, booze. I just said alcohol twice, which is sort of ridiculous, especially on this show. Um, but we're, we, uh, we, we appreciate that. We encourage poor yeah. behavior. But soda and all the like ballpark concessions. So sandwiches, cheesesteaks. Ch- uh, chicken fingers, all of those things you would normally find at the ballpark will also be for sale at the event. And then we're also bringing in a bunch of vendors. So a bunch of companies are coming in the table, some other no- local nonprofits that are doing some good work, given an opportunity. So it's really that it's in when you, if you're familiar with the Headhouse Plaza or that entrance plaza, we are basically taking over 90% of it. And it's not, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not necessarily geared just towards the teams and the riders that are showing up. Like, if Megan's cousins want to come down and spend the day hanging out and partaking in the festivities, have some drink, have some food, kiss a puppy, whatever you want to do. Like, you don't necessarily have to be involved directly with one of the teams to stop by and engage in the fun. Absolutely true. It's totally open to the public. Parking is free in Lot K, so you can come down, no cost. There's no cost, and the only only time you have to pay is if you're partaking in one of the events or you're getting on the bike. So if your family or friends want to come down and support and just hang out and have a couple beers or like hang out and shoot the shit for a little bit, totally cool. Play some carnival games, cornhole, whatever the case may be. Can you pop in and just spin on a bike for a half hour even though you are not registered? No. you do. If you register, if you want to get on the bike, you got to register. Okay. Um, Obviously, at the end of the day, it is a fundraiser. We got to make sure we bring some money in the door. And then there's also like, you know, you know how lawyers are, mm-hmm. um, all that liability sort of stuff. You know, we got to sign waivers and all that fun <laughs> stuff because <laughs> lawyers like to ruin everybody's fun. Well, that's all right. Somebody has to, besides Megan. <laughs> Just unprovoked shots all the time. That's all this unsolicited. That's what it is. It's $5,000 worth of audio equipment for me to just basically shit on Megan. <laughs> <laughs> and occasionally invite some guests. She's in. such a good sport about it, too. She certainly is. But trust at me, times, Nick. At times. I pay. <laughs> I always pay. <laughs> so the inspiration for, I guess, ultimately this event, but then if we back it up just a little bit further, you started this organization why? So I started the organization because Eric was super impactful on me, right? And and on a lot of the people we surf with, both in like him pushing himself and and the people around him, but also in giving back to the community like we talked about. So I wanted to do something to help remember him and help carry forward that legacy and sort of and pay that forward. So early on, we adopted the tagline or the mantra or the motto of no hero left behind. Um, and when I look across the veteran space, when I look across the service member space, the number one biggest problem that we deal with is that we are losing more than 20 veterans and service members every single day to suicide, every single day. So by the Unbelievable. time, so by the time we're done recording the show, there's at least one veteran or service member who will have taken their life. And that's appalling, right? And, and there, there's lots of different reasons. And it's super complex. But the reality is that post-traumatic stress is a significant problem. We've seen significant, huge upticks in military equipment that are saving lives. We've seen huge upticks in medical treatment and, and the competencies and the things that we've learned in the medical field that are saving lives. But at the end of the day, that doesn't stop our service members from experiencing traumatic events, and it doesn't stop their brains from rattling around inside their skull when they suffer, when it, whether it's an IED blast or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So. Post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injuries are systemic. They are the signature wounds of post-9-11 warfare. And one of the, the impacts of that is the suicide rate. What we also know is that service dogs are a 
an incredibly elegant solution to this really complicated problem. Um, and that these service dogs, and it's been proven anecdotally, it's been proven by studies, it's been proven by science, these dogs literally save lives, literally save lives. The problem, they're freaking expensive, right? If you're gonna properly train a service dog, if you're going to do it the right way, it takes two years and costs about 25K, $25,000 for one dog. Jesus. There's very little path for the v through the VA to get that covered. There is no other federal programs. There are no state programs. It's not even covered by health insurance. So now you have a veteran who's raised their hand, who tried to do the right thing, who served their country, is dealing with the consequences, and now the only answer prov currently provided by our government are pills and talk therapy, which in the, on the best day are effective for half the population. Half. Half. So half the rest of that population, over a quarter million vets, be dealing with post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury, half of them just left hanging. Quite literally. Literally. And I don't mean that like a, like a, a suicide joke. I mean that these men and women have raised their hand. They've done what they've been asked to do by their country, their superiors, whoever has given them any sort of directive, and then they get out of the service, and at the end of the day, they're literally just spinning their wheels yep. and it's and so that's where team foster comes in we fill that gap we make sure that these dogs can be obtained trained and then provided to a veteran in need at zero cost and there's all sorts of other things that go around that but we get that dog connected with the right dog connected with the right veteran and then we continue to provide a lifetime of support through our got your six program providing direct aid resources grants to these veterans as they continue through their real rehabilitative process so that's what team foster does so that's i can't even remember the question anymore brother um i just started rambling you got me on my soapbox and then i got disoriented i actually um, have no problem with that <laughs> i enjoy your voice <laughs> you and it Rachel. was actually yeah, Chris him. and Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, like is, you know, uh, I'm asking for a friend. Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. I have is, a friend who wants. Is that to what Meg know. calls you when you guys are having private time? <laughs> yes, and then punches me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little light choking, but so out of all of the, I don't know, resources that you could provide, or the government can provide, or healthcare, or society, or whatever. Why is it that service dogs are the, I don't know, maybe most effective solution to the issue that they're having, but there is very little push outside of what you're doing and probably a couple of other organizations? Like, why is there so little knowledge about this? Why is it not more widely available? Like, where, where's the gap in, in covering this issue? So I think there's really, I think there's two sides to that question. So the first one revolves around the genesis of the problem or the, or the foundations of the problems of PTSD and traumatic brain injury. So I want to talk about that. And then I want to talk about educating the public about dogs themselves. So okay. post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury are incredibly idiosyncratic, meaning they're incredibly unique to every single person that may suffer them suffer from those conditions. Mm -hmm. So let's put an example. The three of us are driving in a Humvee and IED goes off. Our Humvee is damaged. I get post-traumatic stress and a brain injury. Meg suffers neither. Chris has post-traumatic stress, mm -hmm. right? Three different people all suffering the exact same event. Our bodies will react three different ways that may or may not have diagnoses attached to them. Then, okay, now let's back that up. Let's change scenarios, I, same ID, except now all three of us develop post-traumatic stress as a result of that event. Meg may have, the only problem she may have is, is occasional anxiety or occasional depression, not debilitating, not 
life altering, just something she sustains, maybe the occasional flashback. Uh, Chris has nightmares and panic attacks that disrupt his sleep and make his sleeping patterns and begin to damage your mental health. I may have uh, physical manifestations, meaning I may have balance issues, or uh, I may develop a more serious mental health issue. Maybe I can't even, you know, very serious triggers around driving or uh, very serious uh, panic attacks during the day or night. Like, all that's to say, uh, it was not a very articulate, articu- uh, very well articulated example. But every single person that has post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury has a different constellation of symptoms. Okay. The reason that is important, the reason service dogs are so incredibly valuable in dealing with that is because one, service dogs themselves are innately and through nature incredibly gifted. So I mean that to say service, uh, a dog can be trained to detect cancer. A dog can be trained to detect drops in your insulin level a dog can be trained to detect seizures before they happen so if you're epileptic a dog can be trained to detect that you are having a panic attack before you know that you are having a panic attack wild so because they're so innately talented and they're trainable right you can't train medication or you can try to you can mess with dosage you can mess with all those things you know obviously meg's a medical professional like she understands we all understand that but that's it's a much not nearly as nuanced as what you can train a dog to do anything. So you can train that dog. Let's say, uh, Chris, let's say you have panic attacks and crowds are, are a tough thing. Your dog can be trained to detect your ha- you are going to have a panic attack, alert you to the fact that you're going to have a panic attack. And then if, if it's too far down the road, literally pull you by their leash to your partner, to a loved one or out of that situation. So sort of can wow. alert you before it happens and alleviating, removing that whole problem or physically help like, assisting you out of that, that struggle. Um, dogs can be trained to uh, provide shielding. So if you have somebody that has per, uh, challenges with personal space, that dog can just be a, a barrier. Uh, dogs can be used as a balance tool. So if you have somebody who has vertigo or other, other types of balance vertigo, uh, vestibular type issues, that dog can literally hold that person up. Uh, there's one dog that we've worked with. Uh, the veteran had a significant trigger around coming home to his apartment at night by himself after months and months of downrange of kicking in doors where you didn't know what was behind that door, dog's trained to clear the house, opens the door, dog goes room to room to room, comes back, alerts his partner, hey, everything's clear, anxiety level's done. Now that person can live their life just like they used to before they served our country. So they, do I like to say dogs are an elegant solution to a complicated problem? So that's, that's step one. That's why these dogs are so valuable. That's why when I say that these dogs save lives, that's not a euphemism. That is the reality. Is right. These dogs literally keep people on this planet that would not be here otherwise. All right, so that's part one. And then it's, it's sort of related. Part two is, is, is the education. This, and I think part of the reason there's confusion um, and sometimes the support that is provided or is talked about, it becomes more superficial because people don't understand the value of these dogs. Mm-hmm. What they think is like, oh, this dog is like the pets that make us feel so good. Like you guys have a dog. Um, I've, I've been a dog owner. There is nothing quite like that unconditional love, right? There's nothing quite Absolutely. like a dog that every single day you come home and it greets you. There's nothing like the partnership and the responsibility that comes to having a teammate that you have to take care of. You have to feed it. You have to walk it. Like the, you literally have another creature, another living animal relying on you. There's there's value in that. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's just the floor. That's like anybody can get that. That's just a pet. 
These dogs, when they're properly trained and accredited through programs like the ones that Team Foster works with, trained at the highest levels to adapt and perform in any circumstance. So wherever you go, whether it's on an airplane, in a store, outside, inside, loud noises, crazy things, these dogs keep cool and do what they're supposed to be doing. Whatever it is that task, that they are trained to do, they can continue to perform that way. Unlike our dogs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, every dog I've owned has something that would make it lose its shit. Like that's just the reality, <laughs> right? And, uh, the dog, there's plenty of dogs out there that are, you know, particularly stuck with their, you know, maybe they're super protective or what, you know, super fearful, yeah, or have these sort of hangups. A properly trained service dog doesn't have that challenge. I would like to say they can do almost anything. It's like sort of, it's like taking your pet and like you know takes all now puts on a superman cape and now it's a superhero and that's what a service dog is amazing i'm just like sitting here moved like thinking about this thinking about our dog which i know sounds (laughs) so silly but i'm like birdie girl you got potential like it really is dogs are amazing i don't know if birdie does everybody's got their limits right (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying like that's so incredible I, i the message i'm getting is that it's amazing quote-unquote treatment because it's so uniquely personalized this you know tbi ptsd is so different for every single individual and it's like unlike a medication or unlike even therapy we can tailor these people can tailor this dog exactly to you and your needs like that's amazing yeah i mean and it's a process too right it's these the dogs are not just being trained like in a factory and then connected with the next veteran in line. The organizations that we work with that are doing things the right way, as that dog develops, it learns or it sort of gravitates t- towards a certain temperament or a certain skill set. Maybe it's built differently. Maybe it behaves differently. Maybe it's high drive. Maybe it's super late, low key. And then though, depending on the type of dog, it connects with different personality sets and different problem sets. So like if I, you know, listen, I weigh over 200 pounds, right? If I had a needed a balanced dog, I need a dog that's like bigger bone, stockier, mm. that can hold my weight, right? Like you can't give me a tiny little lab. I need a dog that's got like, you know, a bigger lab. Some meat to yeah. it. Um, or maybe I'm super anxious and I, I run high energy and I need something to balance me out. Then I need a dog that's like super relaxed, super low key. Versus mm-hmm. if you have a dog who's, you know, maybe needs, uh, like I think one of our veterans, like his dog is constantly going and picking up things around the house because he has mo- significant mobility challenges. His dog's p- constantly helping with the laundry, getting up, going, picking things up, going, running up and down the stairs, getting the phone. To- you need a higher drive dog to be able to do that, a higher energy dog. So that's the beauty of this is if the right organizations, that, like the ones we work with, are evaluating both the dog and the person to make that connection. I I. I- I wish that we had Megan had let me purchase the camera equipment that I wanted to purchase because if you saw my face right now as I'm listening to Nick describe the various things or functions that these dogs play it's like absolutely mind-blowing I think of service dog and I think of you know and again I think we've all seen various levels of service dogs would that be right but I see service dog and I see him like a guide dog maybe was like the very first impression that I and I sure. think to myself that is what a service dog is and that may be what a service dog does but it's such a small percentage of what these animals can be trained to do right they're, I mean their capacity their potential is uh, you know I think limitless is probably a little bit of an overstatement but it's pretty close it's, it's pretty it's close to limitless. damn close yeah where do you see the industry? Like, how far do you think this can go? 
in terms of like, yes, veterans are should be our priority. Do you see it going in a certain direction? Is that just a shitty question? No, I, I think it's actually something I think about quite a bit. Um, I, I have pretty strong feelings about it. I, you know, when you sort of talk about like where are things headed, mm-hmm. so there's sort of two pieces of that, and that's like one as a veteran, it's never been a better time to be a veteran. That, that that's just the facts. Like. Our country has never been, maybe since World War II, been more supportive of our service members. Every, I'm still in the reserves. Every time I put my uniform, every single time I put my uniform on, somebody buys my coffee or mm-hmm. stops and shakes my hand and thanks me for my service or buys a meal. Like it's, it's sometimes, honestly, it's, I don't want to say it's overwhelming. It's uncomfortable how, how kind people are. You know, there's so, such an outpouring of support. That pendulum is swinging, right? It is, is very, very pro-veteran right now. And that, that has continued there. And simultaneously, we've seen more and more uh, attention paid to the value of service animals. And the problem is the industry is essentially unregulated. And I think we talked about this a little bit on the last show. Mm -hmm. So the the value of service dogs is getting more and more attention. Great. Except now the lack of regulation, the lack of standardization in the field is putting us in a very uh, precarious position because that pendulum as rapidly as swinging it the other way, if it is not managed appropriately, if we as you know, stewards of our veterans, as stewards of service dogs, don't ensure that these dogs are properly trained and accredited and things are done the right way, then that pendulum is going to swing all the way back the other way, mm-hmm. right? Because every time there's a dog that somebody put a vest on or was not trained properly, it was not trained by the right organization, uh, and maybe somebody got taken advantage of, or maybe they're trying to take advantage of the system. Every time that uh, one of those dogs acts out, barks, bites somebody, does something else, it ends up in the newspaper. It discredits the entire industry and discredits mm-hmm. all service, like legitimate service dogs. So I would like to think everything's happening is going in the right way. There has been some congressional support for service dogs. You see more organizations that are popping up. But at Team Foster, we firmly believe that if we don't regulate the industry standardize the industry from the inside out then it's going to be standardized for us and no one is going to like a you know when nobody likes when the federal government comes in and drops a hammer it's not nuanced it's not you know it's never done it's tons of bureaucracy it's not efficient you know it's filled with whatever pet projects you know are are Mm. tied into it team foster our really our goal is to see if we can't head that off by only supporting and only working with organizations that are doing things and and conducting business the right way. So you are in southeastern Pennsylvania. There are veterans that are in Colorado. I mean, there's veterans that are all over the world that have done their time. They've done their service. If it's not something that Team Foster directly themselves could help with, what is maybe a good starting point for a veteran who's having some life struggles that a service dog would, without question, help them out? Like, how does somebody start that process, be it with Team Foster or, you know, through the local VA or their doctor? How, how does one get that ball rolling, if you will? Yeah, so I think actually the best place to start is with us, right? So we are based in southeastern Pennsylvania, but we have contacts throughout the country and throughout the world to and resources for our veterans, wherever they may be. So Basically, the process is really straightforward. You go to our website, teamfoster.org. Go to one of the, the links there. It'll ask you, you know, hey, I'm, I need assistance or I'm, I have questions or I'm interested in a service dog. And then you'll connect with one of our volunteers. And our volunteers are super well get, uh, versed in how all this works. And they will work with you to find out, one, hey, are you, do you need a service dog? Like what, you know, what does the walk you through what a service dog can and cannot do or who's 
is a good candidate for a service dog. And then let's talk about where you live, right? And then if there's a an accredited comp, uh, organization near you, then we'll connect you with them. If there's not, then we'll talk about flying you to wherever we need to get you to go. So we'll help you through no that way. application process. Yeah, of course. So one of our partners um, is actually based out of Florida. They're building a campus in Pittsburgh as well, which is, is part of the reason we connected with them. They're called Guardian Angels Medical Service Dogs. Um, but if we need to get you down to Florida, so be it. One of our partners uh, that we're going to announce at Rough Ride is based out of the D.C. area. Uh, we'll get you down to D.C. You know, or we'll get to, to our partner is Susquehanna Service Dogs in Central PA. At Team Foster, we're not super hung. We try to be sort of the antithesis of some of the bureaucracy you see elsewhere. Mm. Uh, we're not hung up on filling out, a, you know, a ton of paperwork. Let's get you where you need to go. And if that means putting, you know, picking up a plane ticket to get you from Wichita, Kansas to Tampa Bay, Florida. Okay. We can do that. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. We actually have, on a couple of different occasions, had spouses of veterans reach out to us which is i'm not going to say that it's interesting that 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 happens but i think there's definitely an interesting parallel between what we do in in terms of the alcohol and drug abuse talking about it and what you do in terms of the ptsd tbi i think it's no mystery that it takes a while to connect with a service dog right like what are some resources that spouses veterans themselves can leverage while they are in this process or even if they're you know starting to i don't know if question themselves would be the right word or you know just a veteran that's struggling like what's a great resource for them i mean that's i think there's a lot of different answers to that question i think at its core at least in you know in my opinion in my estimation or experience the, the answer is almost always community. Mm. One of the reasons I think veterans struggle sometimes is, you know, you, when you get out of the service, you no longer have that team. You no longer dress like everybody else. Wherever you end up, the chances that you have a job that is, that is ultimately, quote unquote, so important, right? Where everybody's rowing in the same direction. Right. Um, those, those types of positions are very hard to come by. So at the end of the day, it really comes down to community. So tying into a local veteran organization, whether it's at the VA, whether it's your local VFW, um, one of the things we see at Team Foster is like we've built out our own little family. Um, and I, don't, I say little, it's not even that little anymore. You know, the people that come out to our events, like they recognize each other, they know each other, they end up getting to become friendly and they hang out outside of our events. Um, so whether they're, you know, riding 100 miles in South Jersey, whether they're riding, you know, spinning for 24 hours in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or D.C. And that sort of networking, that sort of support network, folks that you know understand you, that, that you have uh, common ground with, goes a long way to try to facilitate whatever you might be struggling with. So whether it's a family member, um, because being the, a family member of a service member is sometimes harder than the, being the one in uniform. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, being able to connect with other families that understand what that challenge is like, uh, being a veteran and can be able to connect with other veterans who understand, you know, whether, you know, whether you have a PTSD diagnosis or not, whether you have a substance abuse challenge or not, we all understand what it was, what it is or what it was like to serve, you know, and then mm-hmm. we understand what it's like to come out. So I, that is, I think it's one of sort of the, it was never set up necessarily to be this way, but team foster sort of organically, organically evolved into that and being that sort of, home away from home and, and like a, a spot where everybody feels comfortable and like you, there's a immediate camaraderie and bond between not just our veterans but our, our the civilians and non-veterans as well you're very quiet megan what do you no, got no i don't know i'm not good tonight well meg told me before we started that she doesn't like me <gasps> i did 
did yeah, not. It was really uncomfortable, Chris. <laughs> you got to take the good with the bad, Nick. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Either that or she's lying in wait for her personal question that she's very excited about. Are, are we ready now? No, no. I think, you know, talking about that camaraderie, like that's something that I think we can speak to. Our treatment, our success only has to do with because we are surrounded by people with like minds. Strength in numbers. Strength in numbers. And I think, you know, that's such an amazing service. Even going to this event with people there with like experiences, like sharing those experiences. I really think, you know, that's, I don't know, part of the treatment, part of how we get well, you know? And it's, I think it's how you connect with people, right? We talked about this a little bit before we came on, but I think one of the things that veteran, like brings veterans together is yes, is that, is that shared experience. You may have been a Marine, I may have been in the Army, Air Force, whatever the case may be, but we've all put on a uniform. We've all done the hurry up and wait. Many of us have served across the world, across the globe, in situations that were uncomfortable or unsafe or dangerous. And that shared experience is what brings you together. And it runs across generations and genders and everything. And it, listen, uh, Rough Ride is is not is not like deploying to a third world country. But <laughs> it, it might be for me. I was just going to say. <laughs> but it is, it is very much a shared experience. So it's both everybody that's at, a, at the event but also your team, right? So whoever is on your team, and it's it's a conversation we have with our corporate partners all the time, is this, it's a team building exercise, right? Because there's something very Mm -hmm. special and unique that you will be forever bonded with someone when you're like, hey, uh, you were on the bike at 2 a.m. at Rough Ride, weren't you? Mm -hmm. Like, it's, it it sets you apart and it, but it all like connects you together. So it's that shared experience that really, you know, and it's the same thing with our hundred mile cycling event. All of our cyclists that do that, every, like, everywhere you go, the minute you see somebody in a team foster cycling jersey, you're just, oh, well, you you did the hundred mile ride. Like it's it's again, it's that shared experience, that bonding that brings people together, and, and again, it creates that community. I'm going to ask you the question I ask every guest that we oh. come on, or that we have on. It's a two part question. One, what's the greatest gift you've ever been given? 2019. Um, my ex and I split. I got divorced, started the divorce process. Uh, shortly after that, I got deployed. Um, so I, I was having challenges on the personal front, on the professional front, mm-hmm. and then got shipped off to a, you know a country, the Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, Oof. Um, to where I did not know anyone. Oh, that's not true. One other, there was one other guy from my reserve unit that that got there about three months before I did. Um, but. Uh, with the exception of him, uh, did not know anyone. Um, so was fully resigned to the fact that I was going to be isolated in one of the hardest times of my life that I've ever had. And I came out of that experience, experience feeling more supported, more loved than I ever have in my entire life. Um, Interesting. And it's one, the people I worked with in Cuba were amazing. Uh, people from all over the country and all different military branches um, were fantastic. But the outpouring of support from home was uh, just, I could not have asked for more. You know, I was getting, it became a running joke uh, with the people I worked with. I was getting care packages multiple times a week from individuals and organizations and just uh, and I got to give out so much stuff to the soldiers I worked with which was like so freaking cool um you know and like people checked in via email um and then you know going getting divorced I 
people start coming out of the woodwork. They're like, oh, well, yeah, I was previously married. And oh, I was previously married. And you're like, wait, what? Interesting. Yes. And you're like, wow, I didn't, you know. And I, I never I never personally cared. But when I started getting, you know, when the divorce started, I, it's not something I'd ever had anticipated for myself either. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I'm ashamed or embarrassed. I don't know if either of those words are totally accurate. But I wasn't sure how to handle it. So yeah. when people come to you and say, hey, well, yeah, I know it is. I got divorced, especially in the military. We're so like, I think the divorce rate's like 65% or something obscene. It's high. There's a lot of people that can commiserate. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I just, so I came back, um, and, you know, and through that experience and coming back, I felt better about myself. I, it was a complete reset emotionally. It was a complete reset professionally. Um, it was a complete reset uh, personally. Uh, and uh, the divorce sort of filtered out some relationships that I apparently did not need in my life anymore. Oh. Um, and it allowed the space for new ones and it reaffirmed uh, a lot of the ones that were already in place. And um, interestingly, I've been, not to go off on a tangent, but there's been some uh, sort of weird stuff that's, that's gone on in my personal life lately. And part of the reason I feel like I've sort of got it together is because I, that sensation of being so supported hasn't is still there. Um, mm. So, and part of it's Erica, you know, my partner, she's mm-hmm. fucking amazing. Uh, she's in a, just, she supports me in every aspect of my life. Um, you know, but part of it's like the group of people through team foster in our community. Part of it's like people like the two of you, um, you know, you just, it's good. Like, I don't know. So that was a long answer to a short question. So, that's okay. You are the star of the show this evening. <laughs> I actually love that answer. And you know what it says to me? Um, it's why we do this, right? We say out loud what people are thinking. And you're not allowed to say out loud. Society says so. You know what I mean? <laughs> kind of like your divorce. Yes. And that's why we do this. We live our lives out loud in the public eye. So for better or worse. For better or worse. So people know it's okay. Because yes. someone else is going through the same thing. And guess what? They survived it. That's right. When it's, and it's one of the things. So, and one of the things, it took me, you know, I'm almost, yeah, 43? Almost 40? Yeah, almost 44. You are a great looking 44. Oh, thank you. You really, My you're pleasure. trying to work it to me. Huh? <laughs> um, trying to credit some hours on that bike, if you don't mind taking, <laughs> taking my place. You take compliments and place some pedals. <laughs> The, the value I, I, if there's one lesson I've learned especially in the last like 18 months is the value of like being open about the value of being vulnerable and you realize that if you just tell people how fucked up things are 99 times out of 100 the people are gonna be like oh yeah I trust me I get it I've been there and you're me like too. oh wait oh okay so I'm I spent so much of my adult life like convincing my not just my adult life my life being like oh i need to be so independent i don't need anybody i'm on my own i can i'll make my own way and now here i am you know <laughs> midlife in and I'm like oh that's that's really not that helpful yeah like, we're not yeah, like, we're not <laughs> meant to travel alone no. yeah no absolutely second part of the question would you do anything different now, this is normally geared towards the, the alcoholics and the drug addicts that have, you know, robbed their parents blind and stolen jewelry from their grandmother and things like that and then opened the, the, the floodgates of this new life to them. But I, I'm not saying that you're an alcoholic or an addict. Uh, I think that you have certainly been through your own struggles. Would you, again, knowing where you are right now, 
would you have changed anything? Would you have gone through those same struggles? Like what advice maybe would you give to a young service member who's six months out from, you know, the, their contract and they're about to enter this world? Like, holy shit, now what? Um, I think that answer. So it's funny because we ask a very similar question. So Eric and I host a podcast. and um, Which is named what, by the uh, way? Uh, it's, we call it, you're, it's, you're allowed to plug on this show. Okay. Oh, yeah. We'll get yeah. to that too. Yeah. Um, it's the Team CTW Conquer the World podcast. Love it. So we try to bring on guests that are trying to conquer their world in their own space. Um, you mm-hmm. know, Eric and I both try to get after it. And we, we see, I, both of us get a lot of value from hearing the stories of other people, especially the trials, the tribulations, the adversities, the failures. Absolutely. That, you know, that there's a lot of inspiration that can be garnered from that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we, we try to highlight and talk about. Um, but we there's warm up questions. And one of the questions, warm up questions is, would you rather live for a week in the future or would you rather live for a week in the past? Ooh. And I, for me, it's a no-brainer. One, because I'm a bona fide capitalist, and the idea of going to the future, being able to figure out, you know, the score of the Super Bowl or a couple other things, <laughs> playing some really large, placing some really large wagers, is really appealing to me. Certainly, um, you know, and, I'm sure, and there's probably a million other ways you could leverage that. Um, but you know, going to the past, like, I, listen, uh, there are probably a hundred thousand shitty things, um, and some are super shitty, and some are like slightly less shitty things that I've done Mm -hmm. over the years and I would like to take those back but would I change the adversity would I change the experiences would I change how I landed here no uh, not yeah I I would not feel as supported I would not be able to enjoy that sensation I was describing to you a couple minutes ago if it weren't for all the all the bullshit that led up to it all of everything that had to happen to land me in that spot you know um so no, I, yeah, that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back. I, I get that. I think there's a lot to be said through, you know, walking through the bullshit, if you will, uh, versus just having like a silver spoon put into your mouth at birth. Uh, I think it makes for a stronger individual. I think it also provides a, a great space for learning some valuable lessons in an incredibly hard way. And, and that's uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that's the only way to learn. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can't feel the highs if you haven't really felt any lows. You know, you can't fully appreciate them. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree um, with that. I, what I can appreciate, though, are Megan's uh, slippers. Oh. Those are gangsters. So- those are uh, gangster is the best word for those. Prepare. Uh, I'm going to roll in the reclining, uh, vibrating gonna... chair because Megan, I'm sure, is about to go on some fucking ridiculous tangent about how she got these <laughs> slippers and got them at 60% off. And fucking well, we got to get her talking somehow. So, you know... <laughs> You talked about all these amazing things service dogs can do. And at this point in time, the only thing Birdie can do is eat slippers at nauseam. <laughs> she has an affinity for Ugg slippers. And how many pairs of Ugg slippers has she eaten? I'm actually embarrassed to answer that question, so you just do you. So she ate both my pairs, but I, unlike Chris, refuse to replace them weekly until she stops eating slippers so i'm an old man we have tile floors in the living room i cannot possibly fathom stepping on cold stone i understand that but in the summer i like a good adidas slide so in the past i have taken max old ones from when he was in like the second grade because i have miniature feet (laughs) but then birdie ate those too that fucking bitch so anyway i have decided i needed a new pair of slides but being the supreme cheap ass that i am I got these at the J. Crew factory outlet, and they are children's. Did uh, Meg? They're pimp. 
And so can we describe it for the wild. listening audience? So they are pink slides <laughs> with uh, pink a pink strap that is a sequence? Sequence? Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe, or glitter. I am unsure. They also accent the pink toenails, too. They are. They are a child slide, so I think they cost me about $12. Amazing. And I kind of love them. So are you suggesting that they might be cheaper than uh, the weekly pair of Uggs? That yeah, that's what I'm suggesting. I swear to God, he comes home with a new pair every every week. I feel attacked. It's the truth, though. Get ready to feel attacked. All right, Nick, I have a good question for you. All right, fire. Mm. So, Nick, you're in a relationship, a lovely relationship, where you've spoken so kindly about your partner. Um, what did you do for her birthday this year? Um, I So, candidly, I'm not a great gift giver. Ooh. Um, All right. Maybe you're going to be saved up, here. Maybe you're going to be saved. <laughs> so, I, um, I'm trying to remember what we did for her birthday this year. The, her birthday was definitely tough this year because Preston was born in early November and her birthday is in early October. So she was yeah. uber prego. Yeah. Um, and it was COVID. I, shit. I don't, I don't remember what I did. I am. So I will tell you that my general philosophy on Christmas presents, birthday presents, gifts, uh, all holidays is I would rather do experiences than Me too. Things. I agree with that. Hmm. Um, but I'm guessing that maybe someone dropped the ball on your birthday since it was like, uh, your birthday, by the way, happy birthday, which Thank was you. last week. Thank you. It was. I, in my defense, I've dropped the ball on all of the birthdays mm-hmm. th- thus far. When we say drop the ball, how, how bad so, are you saying? I, I mean. I, I think I did good. I gave her a handwritten card and 200 bucks. You did not. He had a leftover card from Valentine's Day to his friend. That I hand wrote a note on. No note. That was the problem. That's why you were in trouble. If you wrote a note, it would have been acceptable. I said, I love you. And that, that was all. That's the note? Yeah. That's yes. thoughtful. Dog. No? Dude. No. no gift, no dinner, no nothing. You get dinner 364 <laughs> days out of the year. I don't know what to tell you. It was a very long road trip. Considering we left on my birthday. Certainly. How do you feel about makeup sex? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't going to save you from uh, this did, was one. He getting sol- was he soliciting me? I think that's what just happened. <laughs> I maybe I don't know if you're into it, but Auntie is that why- is coming next weekend. Was that, I figured that was maybe why the room has all the sound tiles. Yeah. Whatever, whatever is going on down here. This also doubles as the sex room, the ball gag room, if you will. <laughs> the dungeon. <laughs> this is where Megan pays the bills and oh. I pay homage. And that's <laughs> So that's what the swing is for that's in the corner. That is correct, sir. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. That backfired on you quite a bit, Harley. It did a and little bit, it? but I, all right. So maybe Keep a better, going. Qu- maybe Keep a better question it. would be, what what do you think your partner would think if you let their birthday go by completely unacknowledged? Hmm. Uh, yeah, that would. Not, I, I don't think that would go over well. To be honest, I would. I like having my birthday acknowledged too. Right. I, it doesn't. I don't. I don't need things. Again, I, I don't, don't want people buying me either. stuff. I don't need things. So I think part of the problem is I am not a big like birthday person per se. Uh, as shocking as it may sound, I, I do not need to be the center of attention. I, I do not enjoy the limelight. You're right. That does sound shocking. I know, right? Which is like, if again, if you listen to this podcast or if you know who I actually am in real life, you'd be like, you're a terrible liar. But that's actually who I am. It's kind of crazy. But, I mean, I, I wished Megan a happy birthday at 9 a.m. and she was pissed because I woke up at 8 and it took me an entire hour. I don't know what to do, dude. You blow it, dude. Again, I, I'm husband. Big time is this the, the the question is, is this the first time this has happened or has it always been this no, way no i mean mother's day was two weeks previous 
No, it's it's a pretty consistent theme. I suck. All right, well, and it's been that way for a while, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, then, you know. <laughs> See, like, so. she's probably thinking you need to get better, and I'm thinking, like, you need to be more accepting of my shit. <laughs> I don't know what I'm to tell you. I'm just saying. He's like, you're overreacting. I'm like, no, no. This is a, actually a very underreaction. Bringing it back to the event this weekend, anybody can show up. Yeah. If you want to ride, you need to register in advance. You can register at the event. You can walk up and register. Oh, really? Yeah, so somebody can show up and, hey, they think they're just going to hang out. And it turns out they're like, oh, that actually looks like way more fun than I thought it does, which is a very common experience. You can register on the spot. That's amazing. Yeah. Love that. I feel like we're going to be driving around picking people up yeah, on our you can way. Just, you can just drive through yeah. you know, South Philly and go pick mm-hmm. up random people. They're yes. like, hey, we need somebody on yep. a bike. I don't know if you know this, but Megan now has an RV, so we can fit a lot of people in oh. there. We're going to bring all the people. <laughs> all right. We where, got this. We where got are we this. parking the RV, by the way? Uh, lot K, assuming yep. it's, as long as there's no... We probably just need a couple spots. It'll be fine. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just working through if it's too tall for what's going on in Lockheed because they've got some of those solar panel type things. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Probably should have thought about that so first. Just, so just do, just do a little recon. You still got time. All yeah, right. I don't know. Chris buys first and then recons later. Yep, which is how we ended up in this position. <laughs> what are some of the things that people that are riding that have never ridden before should expect? Ways to prepare, yeah. things to bring, etc. Yeah, so obviously I think the first thing is go to the registration page. There's a phenomenal FAQ document that outlines a bunch of the different things, different tips and tricks. I call them pro tips. But listen, if you're going to be on the bike for more than 15 minutes, yo, Bring some bike shorts. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, you, you will appreciate it. Your partner will appreciate it. Uh, yes. If, you, if you're going to be riding more than 15 minutes, bike shorts are all but a must. Um, you can bring in uh, it's SPD-style clips if you have bike shoes. Uh, but you can also just wear sneaks and strap in that way. So you'll be good there. Bring okay. a water bottle. You can just refill. You can do that on the spot. Um, bring a change of clothes if you're going to stay for a while. And then listen... Take advantage of that Team 10 area. Like, bring your bring your chairs, bring your cots, bring food, bring drinks, uh, games, books, uh, charging cords. Like, if anything you like, you think about going out, you're going to tailgate an Eagles game for three or four hours before the game. That's what you need to be bringing. Or if you're thinking about going camping, similar analysis. If you're staying overnight, okay. uh, but we're gonna have some. Like at the end of the day. You know, we're in a city. Everything's accessible. There's going to be a great refresh station sponsored by our friends at Bristol Myers. All those things that you need to, like, clean up and sort of get yourself, you know, it's not a shower, but it's like the, we call it a combat shower in the military. You can get yourself, like, at least one layer fresher. <laughs> indoor bathrooms. There's an indoor space in the lobby Perfect. if you need to get out of the, uh, you know, out of the fresh air. You know, you can always go sleep in your car. If you want to book a hotel room, we have a block of hotels at the Marriott and the, and the Navy Yard. You can grab huh. one of those. What? Um, yeah, so if you need to, like, so, like, Erica's coming down, right? But we have a six-month-old. Yep. She obviously is, the six-month-old is not staying at the event all day. She so get a very short fuse for that event. We have somebody helping babysit Preston during the day. But, like, so at night, she can go. She just bumps over to the hotel, spend some time with him, make sure everything's going right. That's, I think, the basics. And just come prepared, have a good time. Would you shave or would you wax before the event? I shave my face, Chris. Okay, fair enough. Uh, if you wax your face, um, I'm not <laughs> sure what's going on. I wasn't talking about my face, Nick. Uh, I'm not sure I want to know what you're talking about. Do you, Meg, do you want to? No, okay. I'm not filling in. All right. A personal choice to each their own. <laughs> <laughs> we all know you shave your nipples, honey. 
That's your, well, they do now, Megan. <laughs> Can't even have a private shower anymore. <laughs> All right, so it's teamfoster.org, O-R-G. Yep. It's June 4th and 5th, Philadelphia, Lincoln Financial Field, Headhouse Plaza. You can either pre-register or you can register the day of at the event. There's a whole list of facts or the pro facts, as you've stated, that are on your teamfoster.org webpage that says what you should bring, sort of best practices, et cetera, et cetera. Any last minute parting words? Uh, no, listen, I'm super grateful for you guys to have, have me on the show for one. Um, and we're, I'm really excited for you guys to see Rough Ride and your team to see Rough Ride in person. It is truly, truly a sight to behold. And I know you will have a blast. Um, and I know you're going to have some stories um, by the end of it. So I'm looking forward to having a great time and raising, you know, uh, I, uh, we didn't talk about money, but the goal is to raise uh, $200,000 Holy uh, this crap. year. Um, and which, where are we? Let's dig deep for our generous partners out there. Sure. How much further do we need to go? So the event is currently at around 68K. Okay. Um, which is Which good is shape. still a phenomenal amount of money, but so, not quite there. But we do all of our best fundraising in the days and at the event itself, at the event, right? Because yeah. once you get to the event, listen, when you take a, a, a selfie, at, when you're on a bike at Lincoln Financial Field with a dog or sitting on the bike or, you know, it's 3 a.m. and people are like wondering, like, why is Meg posting at 3 o'clock in the morning? All those things attract attention and like, you know, it gives you a chance to talk about the, what we're doing, the value of these dogs. And you can have a blast, do something that's interesting to participate in, but also interesting to see. And you're, the money just raises itself at that point. It's so amazing. Oh, but did I tell you about... One thing we are doing that near and dear to my heart, three o'clock in the morning, did we talk about this? It's no. The, so it's the bad motherfucker challenge. Oh, boy. So I will get on I'm the bike. I'm already nervous. Um, I know. I get on the bike at three o'clock in the morning. I bring one, uh, the bad motherfucker wallet from Pulp Fiction. No way. Yep. I have an actual one. Oh, my God. I fill it with $250 of my own money, not the organization's money, my personal cash. And then this year, uh, a, a company called Fuel Will Hunt is sponsoring the challenge. So they're going to match my contribution with oh, a $250 gift certificate. And then I challenge anybody there to try to beat me over the course of a 30-minute challenge. So if you can beat me, you can have my money. Uh, but you're going to have to come and take it. Wow. So, oh boy. Um, we you know. can't beat you, but maybe Gay P can. I, I think Auntie Gay P may be able to give you a run for your money. He loves so, the bike. I, listen, if I don't want it to be easy. So mm. you know, just, just tell him to be prepared. All right, fair enough. Be careful what you wish for. And then I'll, be, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be talking a lot of smack leading oh, up to it. Um, that's, oh, that is definitely one good. of my favorite parts. I don't um, know if I will actually ride because I feel like I have zero chance against you. I wouldn't say not at 3 However, if there is a microphone and a PA system available, I may match you shit-talking like point for point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't do a lot of shit-talking while it's happening. Yeah. I mean, mostly all the shit-talking is leading up because once you get started – there's it's no just, talking. There's just a lot of heavy breathing. Yeah, that's what <laughs> Fair enough. You can't talk if you're doing it right. So that's actually, you know what I did? So in Pittsburgh, we did it. And there was a, uh, one of the bikes was, it was a frat out there that had taken oh. over the bike. And it was amazing to see. They had one kid on the bike who was just crushing. And then it had like a pit crew of students, right? The, the whole, the, there, was, there must have been eight of the guys from the fraternity all. That's amazing. And, and it was very tight. And we get like halfway through. And I just look over and I'm like, you can quit. It's over. Just fucking quit. <laughs> 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 just try, trying to get in his head because I was 
hurting. Because you're like, hurting. he's 19. Yeah, yeah. right? I'm like, I'm, I could literally be your father. Like, stop. Oh, <laughs> um, my God. So, yeah, so it's 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 a good time, right? And, I, and it's a nice way to, like, spice things up in the middle of the night. I am also competitive AF, so um, yep. it gives me a chance to sort of get that out. And also, like, you know, we talk about this at 3 a.m., but it's also a way to pay homage to the folks that are there, right, being – you don't have to be there. You don't have to register. You don't have to be at the event. You certainly don't have to be on the bike at three o'clock in the morning, but those people are. Um, mm. And sort of my way of uh, sort of tipping my cap mm. to those folks. I love it. Again, I am super excited. We are always happy to have you in the boob studio. Definitely <laughs> a very good friend of the show. I'm oh. looking forward to the event. I'm looking forward to supporting Team Foster and any way that I personally can. I'm sure Megan feels the same way. Absolutely. We can't wait. We may join you in Pittsburgh. We would love to have you. We loved Pittsburgh, and we didn't see much of it. We had like one sandwich and like an hour and a half of walking around. Oh yeah, yeah. come out and make a weekend of it. Pittsburgh yeah. is a, a f- absolutely phenomenal city. It has changed so much over the last few decades, and it's really, it's really cool to see. There's yeah. a lot of good stuff going on there. I think we're going to be like Team Foster groupies from now on. Hey, listen, and we're going to Pittsburgh. We're uh, rather we're going to DC in the spring. Oh, I love DC. That's yeah. my favorite city. Sorry, Philly. That, uh, that to actually, visit. It's my favorite city to visit as well. I right? love me some DC, especially if you like to eat. Oh my yeah. God. I want to go now. I just went, I did a girls' weekend in DC. It was awesome. Yeah, and you left me with your little snot nosed kids. Sure did. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways, any parting words of wisdom, darling? No, I got nothing. But thanks again for coming out. We're really looking forward to spending this weekend with you. All right, darling, say goodnight. Good night. I'm Megan and I'm an alcoholic. Say good night, my other darling. <laughs> Good night, everybody. I'm Nick, founder of Team Foster. And I am Chris. I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) Cut off your pets' privates. And please, if you are struggling in any way, put your hand up, reach out, ask for help. So I Married an Alcoholic is sponsored by RealtorAndABaby.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease real estate? Even if you're not in greater Philadelphia, reach out with your contact information so you can be connected with the most qualified realtor in your area. RealtorAndABaby at gmail.com.